Hey, Crossroads, it is so great that you are with us today. A uh, couple things I want to make sure you know about. The first one is that every Tuesday night from 5 to 9, we have our car cruise right out in the parking lot of our church. Uh, it's a great opportunity for you to just come and hang out with your family, uh, with your friends, and look around and see some really cool cars. Also, if you have a car that you want to show off, bring that up, and that'd be really fun as well. Number two is Friday the 17th is our next movie night. Uh, we are watching Abominable on our big 30-foot screen. Uh, the movie begins at 8.30, so you can come up, sit in the parking lot. We're going to be sending out the, the sound to our FM transmitter and putting speakers outside, so you can enjoy it from the comfort of your car or sitting outside your car, whatever you like to do. And let me tell you, if you're watching this, you are invited to come and be a part of it. Uh, listen, it's so great that you're with us today. Hope you have a wonderful day. We're going to get started in just under a minute. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for uh, joining us here. Uh, thanks for joining us online. Let's sing together. Lift your voice. We're going to proclaim the name of Jesus together. Come on, stand and sing. You call us out from the dust into your freedom. Our chains are gone. No weapon form shall prevail. Your word is stronger. We overcome. That's right. Your glory resounds through the age. All sins declaring your great renown. Your kingdom forever will stand. We won't be shaken. We will not fear. Sing our God, our God, a mighty warrior. You're a consuming fire in victory. We triumph in your name, Jesus, the great commander. You conquer death forever in victory ring. We triumph in your name. Whoa. Your glory resounds through the Sings declare your great renown. Your kingdom forever will stand. We won't be shaken. We will not fear. Our God, a mighty warrior, you're a consuming fire. In victory, ring. we triumph. 
name, Jesus, the great commander. You conquered death forever. In victory you reign. We triumph in your name. And we declare your name is power. Exalted one, your name is higher. You stand alone, our strong defender. Above you there's no other. Above you there's no other. And we declare your name is power. Exalted one, your name is higher. You stand alone, our strong defender. Above you there's no other. Above you there's no other. Above you there's no other, above you there's no other. Our God, a mighty warrior, you're a consuming fire. In victory you reign, we triumph in your name, Jesus. You conquered death forever, in victory you reign, we triumph in your name. Our God, a mighty warrior. Oh, in victory, we triumph in your name. Jesus, the great commander, you conquered death forever. In victory, you reign. We triumph in your name. Good morning, church. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you here in person and online. I just want to share with you what's coming up here at Crossroads. So, so three things. One is this Tuesday car show, five to nine. Come up and bring your classic car. And if you don't got one, come up. There's a lot of really, really nice looking cars. And they play some really good tunes too. Um, Wednesday prayer gathering. This is online every, every Wednesday at seven o'clock. And there's a bunch of different ways you can check that out on our website, Facebook, or YouTube. Uh, but just, you know, just jump on there and interact with us, and it's just a great time that we walk through Scripture and we pray. And, and also, we're going to be updating our website with all of the past prayer gatherings because we know that, we're, we're, you know, there's a little bit of like, well, what, what do I do if I can't tune in? And so we want to make that available to you to maybe while you're on your run, you're on a walk, you're doing dishes, you're traveling, whatever the deal is, we want to resource you. So, so watch out for that this week. And then Friday, we're having our drive-in movie, which is Abominable. It's a really good movie. I, I had not seen it maybe up until a couple months ago. My kids probably laugh a little too hard at that movie. Um, we, we really enjoy that movie in our family. And so we're going to watch that. It's going to start at 8.30 this Friday up here in the parking lot with our 30-foot screen. Or I don't know. I, I feel like it grows every week. We talk about it. It's like 35. It's a 40-foot. It's a, it's a big screen. Um, and you just tune in your radio to 87.9, and, and it's fun. It's, it's, it's a really good time. We, we watched Aladdin the last time we did it, and it was a lot of fun. So check that out. And we're asking that if you're coming, just RSVP by letting us know how many cars. So if you're going to pile eight people in a car, just register one car and let us know you're coming so we, we can prepare. But I want to share with you guys this verse from Psalm 99. I think that amidst 
you know, just being in, you know, the temperature of our culture, the, you know, just the, the, the chaos of our world right now. I just want to point us back to God because I think it's so easy in the storm that we're looking around for like, okay, when's the storm going to end? But sometimes it's in the storm that God's like, I've been here and we sense God's presence the deepest. And so Psalm 99 just paints this picture of, and is just, just, just exalting the, the Lord. I want to share with you. It says, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. And then it ends with, holy is he. Holy is our God Almighty. Holy is he. And so I just want to remind you of who God is, and let's focus on God. And I also want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving, because we're continuing to just walk each day, and we're on this journey together. And I just want to Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You can give online, through the mail, or here in the box in the auditorium or in the lobby. And just, we're going to continue to just trust the Lord and lean into him as we walk each day. Let's continue as in, this, in this morning uh, worship service as we pray. God, thank you for being here with us. Lord, we're, we're just wanna, we just want to grow as we, we read your word, as we wake up every morning. We know that it's a gift. And so, God, if we're watching online, if we're, if we're here in person this morning, or if if, or even if in two weeks uh, we're watching this service, God, I just know that your word will not return void. So, God, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would just open up our ears, open up our eyes, that we would encounter you in a fresh, powerful way this morning. God, I'm so thankful for, um, for your presence. I'm thankful for you, Jesus, for saving my life, for giving us hope, for giving us power in your name. And so we stand on the rock that is you, Christ. Lord, we love you, and we ask all things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you guys stand as we continue in worship this morning?
Oh, 
Father, you make what exists in the darkness tremble. We praise you here in this place because you're worthy. Father, we love you. Soften our hearts as we hear your word. We love you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. So glad to see you today. And welcome to all those online. We want to welcome everybody online. I know that uh, this is some certainly interesting times of our, of our life, interesting times of our country right now. And as uh, people are kind of wading through this thing, I know that uh, we're all kind of just getting through this. And I want to encourage you as we get through it together. And so we're at, thankful for the ability to be able to join online as well this morning and, uh, you know, I'm reminded uh, a number of our people have told me that they've had to do self-quarantines because uh, somebody at their office may have came in contact with, with, uh, with part of the COVID or something. So there's, there's a number of our people that are today um, just laying low for like two weeks. And so uh, they're, they're not sick. They don't have anything wrong with them, but they have to do this. And so uh, in order to keep their jobs and things. So I want to encourage you to be praying for a lot of our people as they're going through some uh, really hard times right now, and our people are, are just uh, walking this journey together. So what I want to encourage you to do today is to just to sit back and, and take it in, just, just to breathe into the power of God and to, just to sense His presence with you today and let Him move in a mighty way. We've been in the middle of this series called Flannel Graph Faith, and Flannel Graph was those little characters that I put up, and uh, we were putting them up for the kids on, on the screen so that uh, whenever, I was, whenever we were kids, that was the iPad of the day, and they put those characters up, and so it was kind of cool and it caught our attention. So today we're going to go digital Flannel Graph, and we are starting off, to, uh, we are finishing up today Daniel. Daniel was a great man of God. He was a faithful man of God, and as you look at what, uh, what Daniel was all about, uh, you go through and you see a man who lived his life uh, for a, a lifetime for God. And I want to encourage us as people of God, as the followers of God, to live your life for God, to, to not just uh, make this a seasonal thing, not just do it when it's convenient, not just do it when it's easy. Um, anybody can do those things when it's easy. Do it when it's hard, to live for God, to take a stand and stand up for God. And so we, we start off today with uh, Daniel. Daniel's an older man here. Last week we looked at Daniel chapter 6. We looked at Daniel in the lion's den and how, how Daniel was actually put into a physical lion's den and, uh, for praying. I mean, imagine that. His crime was that he prayed to the God of the universe. And, and the, the window was open. He says, I'm not going to hide that. I'm going to publicly pray. And, and, you know, I've often thought about that as I look at that, that Daniel could have just closed the window and prayed. And there would be no lions then. There would be no problem, right? But Daniel said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God's called me to do. And, and the scriptures tell us that he had done this regularly three times a day in front of that open window uh, of his house. So um, he served with, with many kings. And so what we're going to do today, last week we jumped to Daniel 6, the lions then. Today I want to go back and look at some of the faithfulness. And I'm going to look in particular at chapter 5. There was a great banquet, and so this king was named Belshazzar. Uh, Daniel, if you recall, in Daniel chapter 1, it said that, uh, that Israel had been given over to the hand of the Babylonians, to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. God gave them over. 
Now, when you think about that, folks, that, that's like a really powerful statement, isn't it? God, the sovereign God of the universe, said, Israel, I'm going to send you over here to Babylon. And so Daniel, his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and many other of the nobles of, of Israel were deported to Babylon, which, by the way, is about a thousand miles to the east of Israel, okay? And uh, it is in what is today known as modern-day Iraq. All right? So you, you just look at the map and you go over there and you would find Babylon in modern-day Iraq. And so Nebuchadnezzar had deported these people and he'd taken them over and he tried to turn them into, into Babylonians. And, uh, and Daniel was faithful. He was faithful throughout the, the, the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, even though he wasn't at home, even though he didn't have a place to worship. He kept worshiping God, and he, he, did, his, he, he did what God's called him to do, and he kept standing up. Kings would call him, the, Nebuchadnezzar would call him to interpret dreams and visions, and, and he did that several times for King Nebuchadnezzar. God used him in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Nebuchadnezzar was this, this man who was really full of himself, if you will. And, uh, and, and as he went through life, um, God used Daniel to show Nebuchadnezzar that, uh, that he needed God, that, 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 he, that God of the universe is the real God, that Daniel's God is the God. And so, so as Daniel is, is going through and he's living his life, what was kind of interesting is that the end of, end of uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar's reign uh, towards the end there says that Nebuchadnezzar puffed up his head and he said look at what I have done look at this mighty place that he had done which by the way he built the built this incredible city Babylon right built walls around it the walls were 300 feet high and about 30 feet wide so when you think about this, it was an awesome display of power, an awesome display of wealth. And so he, this, this was the mega center of the world. And, and this, the, these people were the most important people. So Nebuchadnezzar dies, and up comes his son and then his grandson. And we're looking today at his grandson, Belshazzar. So Belshazzar says he, he's now the leader of, of, the, uh, of the empire, the Babylonian empire. And Daniel is uh, just trying to live for God. He's just trying to live his life. But Belshazzar says, I'm going to throw a party. And the scriptures tell us in Daniel chapter 5 that he threw a party for a thousand people. He brought all his nobles together, all the important people. And so he says, we're going to have a big party. And at this party becomes a lot of drinking. And so he, there's wine flowing all over the place. And, and it talks about the, the, there was wives and concubines. So, so there was a lot of immorality that was happening there with all these concubines and, and, and this drinking was happening and it was like this big party and he was showing off the power. Daniel chapter 5 verse 2 says that under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar um, gave orders at his party, so he's thrown this big party, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple. So whenever, whenever Nebuchadnezzar went over and seized Israel and he deported them, he, uh, he brought over all the gold and silver vessels. Now what these were, they, they were items. So, so this, this great king, Belshazzar, says, hey, I've got this great idea. Let's go get, the, go get the gold. And so he brings the gold over and the gold and all this that he remembered. So remember, as a kid, he remembers his grandfather getting this gold from the temple. He remembers de the deportation coming over to Babylon where, where they went and they took these people. And he says, let's take and fill them with wine. And let's just party. And let's show who's God now. 
And so many words are less. He says, let's worship our gods with this now. And so what he does is he comes in and he filled them, the scripture says. And what he was doing was he was showing his disbelief in God. He was, he was just totally disrespecting and totally disregarding God. He comes up in verse... Uh, uh, verse 4 says that, that he had this great idea, and he filled up them, and he says, hey, let's drink to our gods. And then Daniel, as Daniel puts it, to the gods made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. He says, listen, let's, let's just drink to these gods, which, by the way, those gods could do nothing. So he says, Let, let's show who's, who's really God here. And so he, he, he is, uh, he's just kind of an in-your-face, total arrogance, total uh, snubbing to God. And at that moment, here's what happens. At this very moment, the Scripture, and I love that, in chapter 5, it says that at that very moment that he is drinking from the gauntlet. Now, I want you to think about this. He's got this gold gauntlet there, and he's drinking from it. And as he drinks from it, this was the very utensils that were used to honor and worship God. He now desecrates them. And at that very moment, something strange happens, and they all, they all lose their lose their composure. As a matter of fact, it's, verse 6 says that the king's face turned pale. And as he's there, he's turning pale. He, you can just imagine everybody dropping their gauntlets, dropping their wines. And the scripture says that everybody turned silent because they saw something that they've never seen before. There was a human hand. And the human hand was just kind of writing on the wall. And as the human hand is writing on the wall, they are, they are, they are taken away. And could you imagine if you saw a human hand writing on the wall? Reminds me of the Adams family, doesn't it? You know, was it Thing? Is that what it was? Thing? Remember that hand and they would go walking around all that? You know? uh, uh, just, just imagine, you're, you, these guys are drunk. You want to talk about a way to become sober? Like God stepped in the room in the middle of their drunkenness and he puts a hand on the wall and a hand is writing. And like all these drunk people are like, <laughs> and they're looking and they're seeing, this, they're seeing this handwriting and they're scared to death because you just don't see a hand. Listen, there was no body with it. There's just a hand. It says that the hand was writing and it's powerful because what was happening was he was writing a message. And he writes this, this, this hand that was sent by God, puts this message up there. And the message is, meany, meany, tickle, you parson. And as that, as that handwriting once up, uh, goes up, everybody's laying out silent. They're spooked. They're, they're turning pale. And, and, and I love it. The, 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 the chapter 5 says multiple times that the king's color of his face turned pale multiple times. And, and the king's face, his knees are knocking. He's shaking. So he says, I've got an idea. Let's call for the wise men. And so gather all my wise men together. And somebody's got to tell me. And whatever wise men can tell me what the meaning is of the hand that was writing on the wall, I want to know and I will reward them. And I, I will put a purple robe on them. I'll put a gold medallion on them. And they will become the third in command of, of my kingdom. So what's he do? They all come over, and all the wise men, they come in there, and they, try, they look at it, and they're trying to figure it out because it's in a language they don't know. They can't comprehend what this message is. They're, these are the wisest of the wise. This was Babylon. This was the richest place in all the world. This was, this was the epicenter of power. This was like, it was the megaopolis, and this was like 
he had his command of the smartest and the richest people ever. And so he brings in these smartest people, the wise men, and they could not figure it out. The scriptures tell us, continue on in verse 5, it says that, that, uh, that Belshazzar, he was, knees were shaking. It says that he was pale. And he says, could somebody please just tell me what this means? Then something unique happens. In comes the queen. Isn't it amazing? The queen always has a good idea, doesn't she? You know? The king may have a good idea, but the queen always has a better idea, right? So in came the queen, and the queen says, Honey, don't become pale. Don't let this bug you. Don't let this destroy you. Let me tell you what's going on here. Uh, there, there's somebody else who can help us. And there was a guy, don't you remember? Belshazzar, under your grandfather, there was a man here. And in and, and the spirit, he had the spirit of the holy God. I love that. The queen says, this man in our kingdom has the spirit of the holy God. He was a man who had the spirit of the holy God in him. And I, I wonder about us. Like Daniel was known by the spirit of the holy God that was in him. He wasn't known by his talent. He wasn't known by his accomplishments. He was known as the, he has the spirit of the holy God. And I can't help but think of that. Like That is so convicting to me as I'm, I'm saying, wow, does my community know that the spirit of the holy God is living inside me? Like they may not understand who the holy God is. They may not understand uh, what God's up to. But do they know that there's something different about this guy? Or, or do, do people just say, oh, that was a nice message. Oh, you know, I, I could care less if people say, oh, he can speak well. I want him to say the spirit of the living God was upon me. The spirit of the living God, something happened in that room today with the spirit of the living God. And so she says, this man Daniel has the spirit of the living God. And in the days of your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, he, uh, he was faithful. Daniel was faithful. Daniel interpreted the dreams and, and he was a faithful worker of the kingdom. So what they do, they called in Daniel. And as they call in Daniel, Daniel comes in and offers him. Uh, they come before Daniel, I'm sorry, Daniel comes, and the king, Belshazzar, offers him uh, the same offer that he gave to the other people. He says, Daniel, if you can interpret the, the handwriting on the wall, tell me what it says and what it means, I will give you the purple robe, I will put a gold medallion around your neck, and I will make you the third in command. Now, that's interesting because uh, God just kept bringing Daniel up. He kept, he, kept, he kept, in his faithfulness, he kept rising. And, and I don't think that Daniel ever wanted to be second, third, anything. He was just faithful. He was just praying. He, he just was a 20-year-old kid at one point. At this point here, chapter 5, he's roughly 80 years old now. Uh, there, there's all this time that's passed from chapter 1 to chapter 5. And so he, he was faithful. He didn't eat the kosher foods at first, and that was test number one. He started giving the dream, uh, answering the king's dreams with news that he didn't want to hear. Answer number two. And we keep seeing God keeps giving him faithful, faithful, faithful. And so God, keep, God keeps working. But now here, here comes this man, and he says, listen, I'll, I'll make you the third in the kingdom. I'll, make you, I'll give you all this. And what does Daniel do? I love this. Daniel says, keep your gifts. Ooh, I love it. You, you go read it in the scripture. It's so powerful. Just keep your gifts. Th those, those things don't impress me. In other words, I was reading one commentary. He said this. He said it was like, number one, he was desecrating everything anyhow. He's having this big, wild party. It was like, like a joke. He says, you keep your gifts. I don't need your gifts. But he's stern with them. 
And you know, there are times that we have to be stern. And he's stern. He says, listen, I want to remind you, O king, that God gave Nebuchadnezzar great wealth. He gave him his kingdoms. And uh, they were given to him by the hand of God. And, And Nebuchadnezzar eventually worshiped the Lord in humility. I want you to remember that. But he continues on. He says, but you, you, Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart. Check us out. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart even though you knew all this. Even though he knew the, the track record, even though he knew that his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, which, by the way, these were people that were far from God. But God gave the children of Israel over to this epicenter of power. He, 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 they had to suffer, and, and Nebuchadnezzar finds a, a silver lining of God in him. Like, he worships God, and he at least understands that, hey, now this, all this wealth that I built wasn't just by my hand. And you go back and you read Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, like I said earlier, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, there was one point where he lost his mind. Uh, towards the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, Nebuchadnezzar uh, starts to swell up with pride. And he says, look at what I have done. Look at my almighty Babylon. Look at this. God says he went insane. And he went into insanity and he went out and he was eating grass in the field like a cow. God allowed him to do that for a period of time and then he came back to his senses. And when he came back to his senses, he worshiped almighty God and said, this is the God of the, the, God of the universe, the God, uh, Daniel's God. This is the God who has provided all these things for me. But no, not, not, not his successor, not, not Belshazzar. He says, instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heavens. Folks, I want you to catch this because this is what pride is right here. Anytime we swell up with pride and we say, look what I have done. Look what I can do. We exalt ourselves against the Lord of heavens. And he says, look, you have exalted yourself. The, the proverb says this. Uh, pride comes before a fall. If you want to have a fall, just get prideful. And the scripture, scripture shows us this over and over. And so here's Belshazzar. Belshazzar's like he's this king. He's flaunting his power and he's flaunting that he doesn't really respect God at all. And so this pride has come. And as that pride enters the scene, he's about to fall. And, and Daniel says, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heavens. The vessel from his house were brought to you. And you, and as you and your nobles, wives, and concubines, and your great cesspool party, drank wine from them. You mocked God in your total rebelliousness of sin. Next, he says, you praise the gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. Today, the idols of wood and stone, iron, silver. Think about that. What are the idols? Oh, you may not bow down and worship an idol made out of gold. But what's the gold that we serve today? What's the idol of gold today? I know one that's stone. Our little houses. We have to take care of them, right? Nothing wrong with our houses. I mean, think about how big God is. The biggest house... It's the little house in the sight of God still, right? He's still big. 
I, listen, all these things that we have in the world that we, that we work with, we're to use them, not worship them. Remember that. We're to use these things, not worship them. And if we're not careful, we can go from setting out with good hearts of using to become worshiping. You see, this, this man here, he said, forget that God. And he had heard all the track record of Daniel. He, listen, he, he was around for all these good things, and, and he still doesn't come before God. And so Daniel says, you praise the gods made of wood, stubble, uh, silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life. Breath in his hand. You've not glorified him. He, he holds your life. He holds bre- your breath is in his hand. And he who controls the whole course of your life. Wow. He stands there and he's amazed. And he hears this great message. He hears about the handwriting on the wall. And so Daniel's in his face. He says, listen, you have... You have disrespected the God of the universe. You're so prideful. You are so, you want me to tell you what this means? Let me tell you. And he says, this is what the writing was. Meany, meany, tickle, you parson. Meany means, this is the interpretation of the message. Meany means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Meany, meany. God said it twice. Twice. When you see something twice, pay attention. Like God start when, when you see anything repeated in Scripture, once, twice, three times, seven times, pay attention. Meany, meany, meany. He says meany means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and he's brought it to an end. Tickle. Maybe it's tickle. I always remembered tickle when I was a kid, right? That's how they taught us. Tickle. You know, like hee hee hee, right? Like a tickle, right? So that's how I remembered it, right? Tickle means that you have been weighed on the balance and found deficient. God is the judge, is what he's saying. God is the judge. And so as you're looking at this, who <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't compete with God. Your goodness is destroyed. All your wealth means nothing to him. God is the judge. You have been found deficient. <sighs> Perez is the same root from Eupharson. He says, means that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And this guy's thinking, what? What do you mean my kingdom's divided? I, we've, we've got the walls of 300 feet outside. So think about this. Here's this king, and he's taking this very bad news. And look how he responds. King Belshazzar gave an order, and they clothed Daniel in purple. They placed a gold chain around his neck, and they issued a proclamation concerning that he should be the third in the kingdom. And then that very night, that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, the king of Babylon, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. Could you imagine the fear of Daniel when he goes in? They call him in and he's got to tell what this hand that appeared to a bunch of drunk people. Could you imagine he's got to tell them what that means? Like, like he, he knows that this means that the Medes and the Persians, 
Daniel and these, listen, all of Babylon on the inside knew about the Medes and the Persians on the outside. But now God was telling them, the prophecy was, this is coming to an end. You are not messing with the God of the universe. Go ahead, you tried. I am done with this. And God has moved forward. And so that very night, God and his justice rules and reigns. And then you see Darius the Mede receive the kingdom at the age of 62. The Medes and the Persians, and that's where we took off last week. We went into Daniel chapter 6, and we saw about the Daniel and the lion's den. And Daniel, is, uh, he's, he's told, you know, don't pray. If you, if you pray, you're going to have to die. We're going to throw you into the lion's den. And so uh, he has to take a stand for God. And again, I've asked myself that a million times. Why didn't he just close the window when he prayed? There would be no lion's den. We wouldn't have to have any fear Daniel had no clue that he would come alive, come out alive of the lion's den. That was not in his mind. He was not thinking, okay, he's thinking, God, I'm going to trust you. God, if this is what you really want for me, and imagine being tossed down, and he's thinking, I'm about to become crunchy tacos for a bunch of lions. And he's thrown into this lion's den, and as he's thrown into the lion's den, God shuts the mouth of the lions. God performs his miracle. And you, and you, see, you see this life. And you, in six chapters, you see a, a man that goes from a 20-year-old kid to about an 82-year-old man. And, and as you look at this, this time span of this guy, he's been faithful. He was faithful the whole time. And he just kept going. Like to go in and before this King Belshazzar, to go into the richest, the most powerful man in all of the world at that moment and say, you're done. Could you imagine the reaction that could have happened? The king could have said, what do you mean? I know I promised you a purple robe. Put on a purple robe, I'm going to kill you. I, I mean, anything could have happened at that point. So, so he, he goes in and he, and he says, listen, I'm going to work through this. And, and I've got this fear and no doubt that Daniel had this fear. And he steps up and we look at these guys like, like they knew this was going to happen. They had no clue these things were going to happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fiery furnace. They had no clue. They assumed they were going to become french fries. They didn't think they were going to live to tell about that. They didn't think that, uh, that, that Daniel was going to live. Listen, whenever you have to take bad news to a king that powerful, it's like, what are you talking about? And why did this happen? How could Daniel stand up? How could Daniel make such a public stand? You know, here's Daniel. He's standing publicly before God. From the time he was a young man, hey, we don't want the, we don't want the fattening foods. Give us the kosher food over here. All the way to, the, to interpreting the king's dreams and the king's visions. And all the way down to going into the lion's den, interpreting the handwriting on the wall. What happened was that Daniel never lost sight of God's faithfulness. Would you read that with me? Daniel never lost sight of God's faithfulness. Now, when you think about that, his, the faithfulness of God, uh, Daniel didn't lose sight of that. He, he watched him over and over. He went through one test after another after another. And so, you know what, what happens is when, when you get afraid, you've got to remember that God is still in control. And so here's Daniel. He's been deported right there. That, just being deported, taken a 1,000 miles away from your home at 20 years old. That is a horrific thing to happen in your life. Like, like this was not an easy thing. And so he stands up for God in a small way and says, vegetables, please. 
And then he moves on, and he, he, and he goes in, and he, he keeps going to the Babylonian school, and he, he's being a good citizen. He's trying to follow the law the best he can. And, and, and then they call him to interpret dreams because he was a man filled with wisdom. And then, and then they keep seeing this, this man that, that just keeps, keeps being faithful. He keeps being faithful. And then, then he's able to interpret this handwriting on the wall. He's able to, uh, to be used by God in such a powerful way. But it was because he went through a number of major trials, a number of major tests, and he kept passing the test. He kept being faithful. And God says, okay, I'll use you again. You are faithful. I'll use you again. You are faithful. And so you just see, how does, how does this happen in our life? Don't lose sight of the faithfulness of God. Right now, many of us are facing really rough times. Like, like the, the struggle is real out there, folks. And, and, and what you think is up and what you think is down is, is, is all over the place. And it's, it's really messing with people. And people are, people are struggling over a virus. They're struggling over economy. They're struggling over, um, man, I just never felt this way before. And God says, listen, I will continue to work. And you can trust God today, folks, based on his track record. And I want you to watch how he's been faithful in your life already. And so, therefore, when you have that fear of the consequence of trusting God, do not let fear overcome you. You see, Daniel was actively walking with God. He actively walked with God. And as you think about this, are, are we actively walking with God? He knelt three times a day to pray. Check this out. Scripture says that with the windows in the upstairs room open towards Jerusalem, three times a day he got down on his knees. He prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. And someone once said that the secret of standing strong is kneeling often. That's what it's going to be. Listen, kneel three times a day. Get down. It's not about the position of your knees. It's about the position of your heart. You're getting alone with God. I want to encourage you. What if we became the people today that said, I'll set my alarm three times a day? Like Psalm 55, 17 says, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray. What if you set your clock three times a day to, 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 to ring, like your cell phone, it rings and it tells you it's time to pray? Even though you say, well, I have meetings and stuff. Well, yeah, you can make a meeting with God, too. And, and, and put that on your counter, and it comes and it tells you, hey, it's time to pray. And, and so if you have somebody that happened to pop in your office, you can, you can uh, at least know that, hey, as soon as I'm done with this guy in my office, I can go to meet with God. And, and it just keeps reminding you that, hey, I've got, I've got to meet with God. Could you imagine if you did this three times a day? If you gave God five minutes three times a day, that's 15 minutes over, over a day, which is really nothing. It's very small. You, you waste more than that on fake book. I mean, Facebook, all right? You waste more than that on all these social medias that you're watching. I, it's amazing. I, I can't, I'm, I, I, I'm overwhelmed with how our culture has become obsessed with looking at everybody else's thoughts instead of God's thoughts. Everybody else's thoughts instead of God, you'll hear my thoughts. Imagine what would happen to your life if just three times a day you said, Oh God, mighty God, most sovereign Lord of the universe, I humble myself. And what I was doing wasn't as important as listening to you. What I was doing and what my plans were 
It's not as important as you hearing my broken heart and you hearing my overwhelmed. And God, I can cry out everywhere else, but God, I know you're the only one who listens. And, and you're the only one who can answer. You're the only one who can do something about it. God, I don't want to be worshiping the gold, silver, wood, stone, or digital gods of this world. Daniel was actively walking with God. And you know what? He, know, he found this out, that God's blessings are greater than the sufferings. God's blessings. Read that with me. God's blessings are greater than the suffering. Uh, what Daniel did was he looked and he made a list of the pros and the cons. And when you look at the pros and the cons, here it is. It's time to obey. Should I follow God? Should I pray with that window open like I have done for the last 80 years? Or should I close that blind when I pray? He looked at the pros and the cons, and he found out that the pros for obeying God, the pros for doing what God has called us, far outweigh the suffering. And you may see some suffering. And, and folks, we may be called to suffer. Like, we don't, we've, we've lived in the United States of America, and we've never thought that suffering would be part of our picture, but it may be. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And, and I'll tell you this much. The, the, are, are we willing to suffer? Like, we've had it good and plenty most of my life. Like, I've been watching Flannel Graph all my life. It's been the greatest way to learn the Bible. In the meantime, the rest of the world is crying for a page of the Bible. And I have 17 Bibles and don't open them because I have it on my phone. And the rest of the world says, please tell me about this Jesus. Are we going to be the church, uh, uh, not just our church, but the church of America? Are we going to be the church that is going to run and hide because they took away a freedom? Or are we going to come out strong and say, listen, our God is alive and I will not. I'm going to open my window when I pray. And if you think that that's something, wait till you see what that God does to those people who don't understand what I'm doing when I pray. Amen? Like, that's what Daniel did. Daniel said, I'm not worried about the fear. I'm not worried that they're going to throw me in the lion's den. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried that I would miss this. And so God's blessings are greater than the suffering. He took and he looked at the, the pros and the cons. Let me give you a few of the pros of standing up for God. Some of the pros is victory over fear. You know, whenever, whenever Daniel had all these things, I can't, I say he's not worried, but I'll tell you what, I bet you there was fear. I bet you that he had fear. I bet whenever he went before the king to tell him, oh, the handwriting means that you're done, O king. And, and think about this. Not only that, the Medes were coming in. What did that mean for Daniel? Like everything about his world, would, would they kill him too? He was, part, he was in this room with the king. Would they kill him too? Uh, uh, his life was on the line. He made choices all the time because his life was constantly on the line. When he went before Nebuchadnezzar to interpret the dreams, if you don't answer this dream, I'm going to kill you. And he goes and he prays to the God of heaven. He gets his friends, remember? says he grabbed his three friends and he said, implore the God of heaven that he would help, her, that he would give me the answer. Let me give you a few thoughts about fear here. Fear is just an emotion. It is temporary. Fear is an emotion and it is temporary. 
Um, I looked up on Webster's Dictionary. Webster says that fear is an emotion that many people experience in the face of danger. So when you see danger, you have this emotion of fear. And uh, I never really thought of it like that. I said, oh, that's an emotion. Well, emotions are temporary. Have you ever noticed that? Emotions are temporary. They come and they go. Uh, And so you can't ride your life on emotions, and you can't live life on fear. Emotions cannot last. They are temporary. Um, Same with fear. When you have fear, you think it's going to last forever. Uh, I've shared this in the first service here. On April the 12th, Easter Sunday this year, I was up here and pretty much by myself. That's the day the church is wall-to-wall people. All weekend. All week, Good Friday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Saturday, services all day Sunday. That's when churches are wall-to-wall people. And I had this moment where I said, oh, Lord, if they could shut us down for Easter, does this mean we're never going to open up again? Does this mean that people will never gather again for worship? And so what happens is fear sets in, right? And it becomes, you think it's going to be forever. And may I, friends, may I share with you that that is what fear does. It makes you think this is a forever condition. And most people who suffer with depression, they think, well, I'm going to be depressed for the rest of my life. Or maybe you've been grieving. You know, grief is a horrible thing. It's really hard to suffer uh, the loss of somebody. And you go through grief, and you think, man, I'm never going to come out of this. And, and, And the words never and forever Listen, those are, that's what the enemy does. He makes you think that this is a forever thing. Fear may be uncomfortable. Fear, it really is. It may cause you an ulcer. It may cause you to lose sleep. But fear isn't going to kill you. I want you to think about this. When I, I love roller coasters. I am like a crazy roller coaster fanatic, you know? Like, I wonder if I'll be able to do that when I'm 75, but I hope so. But I... As, you know, as long as I can get in them, I'm riding a thing, right? So I get into this car, and you go into that one at Kennywood, it goes click, 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 click. You know what? As you're going up that massive hill, do you know what's going on in your stomach at that point? You're thinking, what did I just do? You're thinking, why did I get on this? I'm thinking, okay, this thing's going to go upside down in about 30 seconds. Do they know how to handle people my size with these bars, you know? Uh, you're thinking all these things, and fear comes in. But I'll tell you what, as soon as you go into it and you face it, man, it's over. The fear is gone. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Fear grows when I feed it, not when I stand against it. Did you catch that? Fear grows when I feed it. Uh, you know what, right now you can get real fearful over the virus. Just go home and watch TV. How many new cases? How many new deaths? How many new hospitalizations? Turn on again tomorrow. Oh, no, there's another fire. And listen, you'll, be, you'll live in fear. And so the more that you feed fear, the more it will grow. But if you, if you stand against it. So God's called you and I to stand against fear. To, to, to not let the, the world stop us from doing what God's called us to do. To, uh, to share Jesus. There are people that, are, that, are, that, have, um, that have paid a dear price. And uh, some people have lost businesses. You know, in, in our country right now, if people stand up and for a value that they believe in, they may lose their business. 
They may, their business may be shut down, but many of these people that are, are followers of God said, we will do this, we trust God, and we will take the consequence of not having our business anymore. And so this is, this is a powerful thought, because as they face that fear, the fear diminishes. Don't feed the fear. Go against it and stand up against it. Look what the early church did here. Uh, Peter, James, and John from Acts chapter 4. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers, and they told what the leading priests and elders had said. So uh, Peter and John, they had been uh, threatened by the officials, you know, stop preaching or else, okay? And uh, their life was on the line. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now, what does God tell us that we're supposed to do here when we have fear? Anybody out there? Thank you. Thank you. One man's alive. Give that man a hand. Good man. Thank you. Yeah, come on. Give him a hand. Yes. These guys were afraid for their life. The, the leaders said, hey, listen, you're, you're, you're going to die if you don't stop preaching Jesus. And what would we do in the modern day? Well, I guess I can't preach no more. These guys said, no, let's get together and pray. And they came and they prayed and they lifted their voices together to God in prayer. Oh, sovereign Lord. Now, folks, this is where we've got to remember. The Lord is in charge of everything that's going on today. God has not taken his hand off the steering wheel. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with their futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for the battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Lord, sovereign Lord, you understood this. In fact, this has happened here in the very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Pilate was determined ahead of time according to the will of God. The Gentiles even Israel, to crucify Jesus. Oh, now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. Hear the threats against James and uh, Peter, James, and John. Give us, your servants, boldness. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Folks, that's what God's called us to do, is to be faithful to come and pray. And I want to encourage you to pray like that. Lord, make me faithful. Lord, I want to shout out to this community. Folks, there's something that our world needs right now more than ever. It's Jesus. Right now, the world is up and down. As soon as you think it's going up, it's going down. And I want you to know that the almighty hand, the sovereign God of the universe, he is in charge. He's not left the steering wheel. And God says this. He says, listen, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to go out. I want you to share my word. I want you to stand up at your workplace for Jesus. 
I don't want you to just fit in. I don't want you just to, just to, just to morph into a culture and just to become whatever they think that, that won't offend anybody. I want you to stand up for the almighty God of the universe, and I want you to be my followers and to be my people, and I want you not to be ignorant and arrogant, but I want you lovingly to confront people to come to Jesus Christ. Folks, I want to share with you that the only hope for this world is found in the cross. There's no government that can fix. There's no government, repeat, no government that can fix the problems of this world. How do I know that? Because for 6,000 years we've watched governments try to fix it. And it will never be fixed. There's only one day it's going to be fixed. At the end, oh, this is so cool. If you read the whole Bible through and not just the parts that make you feel good, okay? If you read the whole Bible through, you'll find that Jesus is coming back on a white horse with a sword. And he is going to be the king, and he is going to reign, and he's going to rule, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. And right now, the people that are drinking wine from the gauntlet of his utensils, they will bow down, and they will worship him. So God's called us to tell the good news today, amen? And so as, as we wrap up here, I want, to, I want to encourage you, do this for the long haul. Think about the generations to come. Um. <laughs> This, ver- this really has jumped out at me. Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the, from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is he? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Let's go back to verse 1. About that time, some wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. How did the wise men know that Jesus was going to be born? Oh, they followed the star. How did they know about that star? Eighteen generations earlier, God took a man named Daniel and he deported him to the east by a thousand miles. And that man lived for God. He was faithful, he was a man of integrity. And he worshiped God in front of his open window. And he was public about his faith as well as private. And God used him in that holy scriptures, got in there. And the wise men had that from 18 generations. And 18 generations later, when Jesus arrives on the scene, they come on a thousand-mile trip. Who is this Jesus? Folks, what about your legacy? 18 generations from now, will, will, will your, like, like, think about that. 18 generations from now, I'll be something on Ancestry.com. And they'll say, man, he liked cheeseburgers. Hopefully they say, he left a mark for God. And hopefully they say, you know what, he lived for God and he went into Ring Old School District and took food. He prayed with principles. He did all these great things. But you know what? Our community's changed 18 generations later because of God Almighty. He wants to do that in your life. What will God say about your legacy? You know, you're building your legacy today by being faithful. That's all God's asked you to do is be faithful. So if you'll be faithful, watch what God will do. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be faithful for my lifetime, and all I can think of is, you know what, i got two daughters, and, well, maybe one day I'll have grandkids, and if I live long enough, I might get to see a couple great-grandkids. But I certainly can't think about 18 generations. But God can. And God knew what he was doing when he told somebody to be faithful to give this little kid a piece of bubble gum to get on the bus. Actually, it was a donut. But, you know, God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. He gave me a passion for a donut. <laughs> he said, look, I'm going to let you fall in love with, the, with me because of a donut. Like, like, and those people, Mr. Herod, who came down there and gave me that, he's long gone already. He's gone to be with Jesus. But, but you know what? His legacy is playing off because he, he took a donut. He was faithful, and he went out and said, you know what? This is hard. He says, I don't want to get up today. I don't, I don't want to do this. This is hard. This is overwhelming. And he had his own family to deal with. And he sacrificed. He walked out and he, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to go down to Dormont. I'm going to see little Kenny Barner down there. And I'm going to give that man a donut. And you know what? Somebody gave him a donut. And somebody before him. And so we're living out 18 generations ago what God was doing. And what will God do in your 18 generations? Let's pray. Would you just respond to the king of the of the universe today. God wants to use you. God has an eternal plan. God has eternal significance for those hard decisions you have to make in your company, in your work, in your family, in your community. Those decisions of integrity. Listen, God didn't put us into this culture to become friends with the culture. He put us into this culture to bring them to Jesus. And I pray that you will go out and take the lessons from Daniel and be strong and dare to be a Daniel and see what God will do. God, thank you. I pray you'll challenge your people with the power of your word. Thank you for these powerful histories of the movement of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us online and here in the church. God bless and have a great weekend. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name